Your capacity to communicate who you are, who you are, as a reflection of your personality, is a reflection of the divine being, God, and his capacity to communicate his, his self because he has personality. You only have personality because you derive your personality ultimately from him because you're made in his exercises. Maybe one. We'll see. So you close your eyes. Think about um, think about someone that you care for. You know, just picture them. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's boyfriend, girlfriend, an animal. You know, a, you have a puppy that just adores you and you adore it, whatever. Just something you can hold as an image that, you're, that you care about, that you have affection for and tenderness towards. Just think about that. Someone, someone that when you're around, you just are satisfied. You're just at rest. Think about their life. Think about who they are. The ways they move, and communicate, and talk, and the inflection of their voice. The clothes they wear. Just hold that image in front of you. How, like, how many of you just in, in your in your mind's eye, you can see that person pretty clearly. Yeah. And you have a thought or a feeling about them as you hold them before you, right? Okay, just in that space now, well, think about yourself for a second. Just try thinking about yourself. Let's hold the same way you can hold the image of the person that you care about or affectionate towards, have feelings towards. Hold an image of yourself in front of you. And think about yourself, who you are, where you came from, the kind of work you love to do, what you're really good at. What are you really good at? What can you put your hands to and you know without question you could accomplish it? Just picture yourself doing something that brings you satisfaction. Maybe it's woodworking in a shop. Maybe it's writing, fiction, maybe it's going on a walk in nature, something that brings you, just see yourself, something that brings you so much satisfaction. 
just just and, and picture yourself something you've done recently that brought you satisfaction. Think of yourself. You know, how many of you just you you kind of you can you can see that about you can see yourself and you can see that thing and you you can see your the satisfaction you have with yourself, just the pleasure you can take in what you're able to do, yeah? Yeah. Now think about this, okay? You don't have to close your eyes anymore. You can if you like, you know. Well, think about this. So you, on some level, are aware of yourself, right? You can think about yourself. You're aware of others, and you're aware of yourself. You can think about yourself. You could probably, if you want to, think about a lot of things you don't like about yourself too, right? <laughs> but you can think about things that you like, that you've done, that bring you satisfaction, that when you, when you think about that thing, you picture that thing. It's like, man, that, that just pleases me, how I see myself in that light, what I did there. You know, maybe, maybe you're Heather and you can picture yourself leading worship and just being before the Father and just go, oh, I'm just so satisfied in how that went. I'm just pleased and that I was able to offer that to the Father. You know, maybe it's something like that, right? You can picture yourself and hold an image of yourself there and be pleased with that image. It's not a hard thing to do, correct? Not, I mean, not physically. Sometimes it's hard to find something that you're pleased with about yourself, but I mean, just, just you can do that. Um, you know, on the face of the earth, um, you're the only being that can do that, right? You, you know that. Like a bird doesn't image itself and then find pleasure in itself and then recreate the thing. It just, it exists meal to meal. And it has a drive in life to reproduce and to exist from meal to meal. The same, like a, we have a, a nine-month-old chocolate lab. It exists to eat. <laughs> it's a dog. So once it's done eating, he goes to find where the food is to see if there's any that have spilled over because he just wants to eat more. Right? He, he has very limited conception of himself. He's not self-aware. He wants affection, he wants exercise, and he wants to eat. That's about it, right? Like a dog is a pretty simple um, uh, animal. Any, any, any animal has, on some, on some level... The, the way that you can project yourself, think of your, about yourself, be satisfied with yourself, and take pleasure in yourself, take pleasure in something that happened 30 years ago. But there's no other being on the face of the earth that can do that. Only you can. That's a, that's a reflection of being. And a reflection of being is self-awareness, the ability to communicate yourself. Or like an, a dog doesn't communicate his personality and doesn't tell you what his personality is. He just is. Right? He, his, his personality is based on his demands and his needs. Your personality is based on many more nuanced factors than that, right? So a, a marker of being is the capacity to communicate being. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, a marker of, uh, by being I mean existence, of having personhood, right? Having awareness is the ability to communicate on some level who you are and the nuances of that. And to project that 
image in yourself and project that image to others. Now think about that as a as you are a reflection of the divine being, right? You've been made in his image. So if you can, well, one, that if if a marker of true being, existence, personhood is the capacity to communicate yourself, that's a reflection of the marker of true being, which is grounded in the divine being, and his capacity to communicate himself. You understand what I just said? Your capacity to communicate who you are, who you are as a reflection of your personhood, because you have a personality, is a reflection of the divine being, God, and his capacity to communicate his, his self because he has personhood. You only have personhood because you derive your personality ultimately from him because you're made in his image. Okay, so you get, does that make sense to you? Yeah? Okay. Okay, so, so the capacity to communicate is a reflection of personhood, and it's a, that, the ultimate capacity to communicate is a reflection of the divine personhood, or God, as he communicates himself. All of creation reflects him. Romans 1 tells us this. And his invisible attributes, it's Romans 1.18, I think, says his invisible attributes, it's right in the middle of Romans chapter 1 anyway. His invisible attribute, his invisible attributes are on display, making himself known through all of creation. And then he makes himself known through speaking, through the prophets, through the law, through the tabernacle, and then ultimately through the expression of his son, because he communicates himself. Now, with all that said, so if you can project an image of yourself, think about it, and take satisfaction in it, and that's a reflection of being and the capacity to have thoughts about yourself. That's a pale reflection of God's thought. Like God thinks about himself. Okay? Are you tracking with me here? If you can think about yourself, you can be certain that God can think about himself. Okay? Because your capacity to think about yourself is a reflection of him. Because your capacity to think about yourself is a, is a reflection of your personality and your personhood. Over against any other created being. So his capacity to image himself, because he says, I'm going to create them in my image, meaning he had an image he thought about. So meaning that he's taken thought of himself, and he sees something about himself, right? Okay, because if he has an image, it means he's thought about himself. Okay, so take, take, close your eyes one, one, one more time and think about yourself. And try and think, try and think about this. Try and think about... The last four digits of your credit card number. Or the, the code on the back, if you have to put that one in. Or the expiration date, whichever one you know. Even just the first number. Think about your last name. Okay, we're getting there. Think about your birthday, the date, right? And think about your mom. All four of them, hold them all at once. How many could you hold in your brain at once? Heather? <laughs> None? <laughs> maybe two, right? Yeah, maybe two. So your capacity to contemplate yourself is limited, right? Okay, is God's capacity to contemplate himself limited? No, so God is full of all what? It's a K-N-O-L-E-D-G-E, all full of all knowledge, right? 
So his capacity to know himself is unlimited. Think about it. He's an unlimited being with an unlimited capacity to know all of himself, which is unlimited. Okay? So, which is just a mind-boggling, baffling thing to think about. But this means that when he thinks about himself, he doesn't think about part of himself. He doesn't think about a portion of himself. He doesn't think about the moment of conception or the day he did this or the day he did this. When he thinks about himself, he thinks about everything that pertains to himself. Okay, do you understand? Do you get where I'm going? You, you like the the concept makes sense at least, right? So if he thinks about himself, he doesn't think about himself in a limited capacity. It's in the fullness of his being, right? So when he thinks about himself, what he sees is the perfect representation of himself, or as Scripture calls it, the exact representation of himself. And we talked about this this morning, right? Hebrews 1 thing, one three, Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the exact image of his being. So when he thinks about himself, he projects an image, contemplates it, right? And thus you have the only begotten son who is eternally begotten. Because God has always thought about himself. The son always is, the son is always begotten because it's the product of God's thoughts about himself. The image of God. And it's exactly who God is, right? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because the Son is the thoughts God has about himself. He's called the logos, the word. This literally means the structured and ordered thought and the rational way of communicating who you are. That's the logos. That's what it means. When it says that Jesus is the word, that's the Greek word, is logos. So Jesus is the divine expression of thought the Father has about himself. All right, you tracking me with, it, with me there, right? So that when you think about yourself, you have a limited capacity. When he thinks about himself, he sees the exact image of himself. And then when you think about yourself, you have certain feelings stirred about whether you bring yourself pleasure, satisfaction, all that. Well, when he thinks about himself, he just goes, whoa. Right, because what he's seeing is perfect beauty. And when he contemplates himself, he can't help but satisfy himself. Because when he thinks about himself, all he thinks about is the perfect beauty. And he's completely satisfied in what he sees. So thus you then, this is, now you have the Spirit. The one who gives utterance, who cries out, Abba, Father. Who is the love of God sent into your hearts to incarnate his image. Because when he thinks about himself and he goes, whoa, I'm satisfied with myself. The satisfaction he has is the spirit that exists between him and his image. The love that the father has for the son because the father thought about himself and begot the son because he's eternally thinking about himself. So this Jesus, this is, this, this is, Jesus is the only begotten. Right, Because God, when he thinks about him, he couldn't beget you in the same way because you're a limited expression. But he's the only begotten because he's the full expression of who God is when God thought about himself. Thus the word stands separate yet the same. Exact same but separate. So when the Trinity indwells you, when the fullness of Godhood indwells you, when the presence, when it says, right, the Spirit of His Son, the Holy Spirit, 
the spirit who raised him from the dead, the spirit of the Father, all these things, it says in Scripture, comes to you. And what happens when the spirit comes to you is, whoa. That's probably the, the best way theologians have conceptualized thinking about the Trinity. As our, our best thoughts trying to contemplate a mystery at best are going to be limited. But we've kept it now in relational language and devotion and desire and affection language. So you see, you know, it never, it says this multiple times in scripture. It says the father loves the son, right? And it says the father, so the father, God so loved the world. We understand that to be the father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So we know Scripture talks about the Father loving the world. The Father loves the Son. The Father loves creation. The Father loves his people. We know the Son loves the Father. Right? The Scripture is expressly clear about that. The Son, it was John 17, this great devotional prayer of Jesus to the Father, how much he loves the Father. We know that Jesus, the Son, loves his people. Right? When he says that, just as I've loved you, so you are to love one another. We know that the Son loves creation. It says everything that came into being came into being through Him, through the Word, through the Son. So we've got the Father loving the Son, the Father loving creation, the Father loving His people. We've got the Son loving the Father, the Son loving creation, the Son loving His people. Multiple times throughout Scripture. But you know what it never says? It never says the Spirit loves. There's not a single reference in Scripture that says the Spirit loves the Father or the Spirit loves the Son. Because the scriptures say this, John, 1 John 4, if you read 1 John 4, you'll see it there. The Spirit is the love of God. The Spirit doesn't love because the Spirit is love. Again, do you remember we saw earlier, John 16, Jesus said, he's not going to speak on his own accord at all. He's only going to tell you what he hears. And what's he going to tell you about? Jesus says it. He's going to take what's of mine. He's going to declare it to you. And what's mine is also the Father's. And so he's going to declare the Father's to you. So all the Spirit does is tell you everything about the Father and Son and the love relationship they have. He witnesses to that. So when he comes into your heart, he cries out, Abba, Father. Because he is the love of God should have wrought in your hearts. So again, this drives deeper. Friday night we were talking about this morning, talking about the nature of prophecy, to call orphans home, to abide in the Father, because the Spirit who gives utterance to prophecy in our lives, the manifestation of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 says, is given for the benefit of all. When the Spirit manifests, love is made known, not so much because the Spirit requires us to love in order to operate, because, but because the Spirit is the very love that exists between the Father and the Son. What do you think about that? Does that make your brain think? Let's do this. I'm going to do another little exercise. Okay, you can, you can, if you're taking notes and, and writing down the exercise, would 
I'd call this um, practical steps to catching a glimpse of the beauty of God. Practical steps. Okay, so first thing we're going to do is you're just going to go silent, okay? And, and close your eyes. I'm just going to have you think through a couple different things and dialogue with the Lord and just kind of tune your heart into him. And then we're going to um, go into go into a group exercise for a few minutes, okay? So um, just, just close your eyes. Father, we just ask you to visit and be with. Stir up the affection that we have for you and the affection you have for us, the affection we have for one another. Okay, I just want you to do this. Just, just listen to the questions, and then I'll give you a moment in between each question just to kind of ponder. Reflect on this is the first thing to reflect on. Reflect on the moment in your life you became aware of God. Maybe that's the moment of salvation. Maybe you're raised in the church and there was a particular moment in worship or you're driving or, or in prayer or something. But the first moment you remember, I'm aware of him. Maybe your memory's not good and it was just a couple days ago. That's fine. Maybe it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Maybe it was a year ago. That's fine. Just reflect on the first moment you remember being aware of him. And just dwell in that for a moment. The first moment you remember being aware of him. What did it feel like? was going on in your heart and in your insides and in your inner man? What was stirring? Was it desire, awe, peace, glory, love? What was it? Affection? What was it? Just reflect on that for a moment. just as you're reflecting on that, just, just offer this prayer or something like this up to the Father. You can do it silently out loud. It's up to you. Father, reveal your beauty to me. Reveal your beauty to me. that prayer before him for a moment. Just let your thoughts go to specific moments where the Father's visited you in your life. You know, you've got the big first moment, and now maybe, maybe there's three or four other big moments. Or maybe there's 10, maybe there's 20. Maybe there's just one or two other big moments. Let your thoughts go to those other formative moments in your life where the Father visited. You became aware of something. He spoke some truth or 
Maybe it was a prophetic word. Maybe it was a moment of prayer. Maybe it was a dream or a vision that you had. Maybe it was that you were aware of his provision, that he came through in something very dramatic for you. Just formative moments that were key in your life that the Lord visited, spoke, and you understood something more of who he is. Just let your thoughts go to those few moments in your life. Beyond that first moment, with this prayer, show me your beauty. that you're kind of in that zone you know, you've got that, that first moment you've got this beauty going on the, the, few, the key moments now just let your mind reflect on the last three heartfelt moments maybe you can only think of one or two but it's just, we're just throwing a number out there the last three heartfelt moments you had with the Father Maybe it was in a, in a conversation with someone else where you just felt super encouraged or uplifted. Moment of prayer. Maybe it's you felt his affection or his, he took proud, he was proud of something you did or some great accomplishment you felt his pleasure. Just reflect on the last few moments that you've had with him. Just revisit those. see them from different sides and different angles. Just hold them there. The awareness of them before you. Now of all those, all those things you've just kind of wandered to in this journey here in the last couple minutes, choose one just choose one and give it a name. You choose one moment that stands out to you. Maybe it's that first moment, formative moments, the, the, few, uh, the few most recent heartfelt moments. Just choose one that you can focus in on and give it a name. There's no right name or wrong name. Just give it a name, something that stands out to you. You can just give it a label that you would, if you could, if you'd refer back to it, you could just refer to it as that name and you remember it.